Hey everyone, thanks for waiting. It's Claire Maxted here, creator of Wild Ginger Run YouTube channel. It's live, it's Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. And I am thrilled to say that we have none other than Pennine Way, a record breaker, the new FKT holder. It's Damien Hall, everyone. <laughs> Woo! Hello. We'll have to both clap, Damien, because there's only us two here. <laughs> Everybody Thank else you. can virtually clap. Um, so Damien, I've got tons of questions for you tonight, but just first of all, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Um, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I bet. And uh, yeah, how are you feeling just now, like today? What have you been up to? Well, um, yeah, I feel quite a bit better today. I was quite a wreck over the weekend. True story. I wore my, the day afterwards, I wore my boxer shorts on the wrong way around all day. Uh, <laughs> I did have trousers on over the top or shorts, but, but yeah, um, didn't realize till till bedtime um <laughs> i thought when you I got, got home, a superhero on us there yeah. <laughs> when i got home uh my cat ran away from me because of the way i was kind of stumbling <laughs> stumbling towards it it genuinely thought i was some kind of alien um and yeah my, my i did you know my feet as can happen after these things my feet did sort of swell up quite a lot and I've had the night night sweats as well, which are pretty pretty disgusting. Oh, um, it sounds a bit like the menopause. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's, it's that. Um, but last night was better, and today I feel uh, quite a lot better. So, yeah, all good. There, there are only things I was expecting. You know, when you do something like this, that is kind of the price. You have you have really pushed your body, so it's good to respect it and um yeah just back off and, and relax and eat, eat lots of cheesecake. In fact, yesterday I ate half a cheesecake, a, a proper cheesecake a half whole half lovely yeah it was oh that sounds amazing well it was 268 miles so i reckon you burned off a fair few cheesecakes in that um i just want to give you a little uh, taste of who is watching here because we've got tons of people watching live tonight we've got paul hamilton who says hi everyone really looking forward to this nigel barnett says looking forward to this uh philip haddock says hi everyone this is going to be a good one um guy says hi all looking forward to this as well what a machine um alex dehoto says hey guy says he's clapping too <laughs> beginning um hannah says loving the social media conversation between you and john kelly so we'll get to that <laughs> later um and vic knight said he couldn't really miss this uh conrad's watching all the way from michigan uh he says hello damien and um abby norman says a major congrats on your incredible achievement i was hooked watching your dots and the little videos being produced always seem to have a smile on your face <laughs> well that's very kind thank thank you everyone um i think there were a few less smiles towards the end but but they're back now Yes, I think you do really well. Like you're always so chipper on all of these things. It's it's really great to watch. It's just really fun. Um, and we have got tons of questions here. Uh, first, just this isn't a question. Um, just Stephen Mackey just says saw him on telly this morning. What a guy! <laughs> yeah, that was that was uh, that was strange. Going live on on television. Apparently, there are one point four. 1.8 million people watching wow. it was live on bbc breakfast and both me and john were on uh and and actually uh they at the last minute they brought it forward and made it because I, so I was sort of relaxing there with a cup of tea just woken up and then you get a call saying can you go on now uh and you're like whoa um but it, it was fine in the end i think although i was sort of pitched a bit as the uh, the baddie because of course you know john had gone and broken this record after 31 years and then I sneak up the week after and, and break his record um, but it was um, yeah it was good fun and a nice bit of banter I think 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I suppose there is a little bit of this, like, the kind of a rivalry story there that they got to tap into, so uh, that's quite fun. But you and John do seem to be, like, quite, uh, like, buddies. Like, he just wrote on Instagram, didn't he, that records are there to be broken, and and he sort of uh, suggested that you might uh, do the Barclays or something like that. <laughs> so um, I have got a question about that uh, later on. Um, but uh, just like wrapping it right back with a few um, audience member questions here. Um, Paul Feely just says, why the Pennine Way? So could you just kind of explain what, what made you choose it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah, the Pennine Way is very, very personal to me, actually. Um, I walked it in, I think, 2011, and I'd been commissioned to do a guidebook for it. Um, so I was in a really, you know, I felt really fortunate that that had come my way. Um, and and I, loved, I loved hiking it. I loved it. It just felt, I'd, I'd lived abroad for most of the decade before, actually. So it really felt, it really felt like a really sort of English or British landscape and these moorlands and um, this sort of bleakness. Um, and it helped me kind of fall back in love with, with Britain, if, if I'm honest. Um, and it was you know really yeah really exciting i love finding out about the history of the trail as well especially the links to the mass trespass um from 1932 which which hopefully most people know about which is a really important piece of civil disobedience um and so yeah i, I produced this guidebook so it felt quite quite central to my sort of um <clears throat> identity anyway and then of course when the spine race came along i was just getting into ultra running and I got quite obsessed with that and, and, and loved following it. And then I jumped in on the third year and did the spine race, um, survived it, um, and instantly signed up again for the next year. Um, <laughs> like quite a lot of people do. There are people who have done it five or six times now. Yeah. Um, there's just something about it, all that miserable suffering that people <laughs> want to do it again. It's um, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so I had, I've been on the Penn Way three times. Um, and ever since my first FKT, which was in 2016 around the Southwest Coast Path, there's always been a sense of what are the next FKTs to do. And that one was always in the conversation, the Penang Way, but I was always so intimidated by it because, you know, Mike Hartley's time on it obviously stood for 31 years, you know, for good reason. It's not like no one tried in that time. Um, Mike Hartley was a really good athlete. In the 1993 100K European Championships, he was fourth. So, like, genuine speed and talent there. Um, and and he really worked hard um, to get you know to get the Penway record. Lots of preparation, so it was really intimidating. And I kept putting it off and putting it off and, and thinking, oh well, I got to do that race, so maybe I won't. Um, and then of course lockdown came, and it was like, well, there's no no excuses left. Um, also, I you know I did know, yeah, I knew John was going for it as well, and, and we're friends and. Um, we yeah we communicated a lot about it and we even tried to go at the same time but dates weren't really working um but we shared information and 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 yeah wished each other well and and, and so on but yeah it's definitely a very personal trail for me it's fantastic we all really enjoyed watching your dot and i just want to read out some times here because um mike hartley obviously um he did it in 1989 um he took two days 17 hours and 20 minutes and then um john kelly did it eight days before you he did it the opposite way around which i want to talk to you about um in a moment as well because it presumably it's all uphill south to north the way he did it which is why he's three hours slower than you um <laughs> but uh he did it in two days 16 hours and 
and 46 minutes. Um, and then you did two days, 13 hours, 34 minutes, which is three hours quicker than John. And um, if you want to take it all in hours, it's 61 hours um, and a half, basically. Um, yeah, but you did yours the same way around as Mike Hartley. Um, do, you, do you think that made a difference, do, which doing it that direction? Like, um, yeah, well, it's it something to, to the record? Um, not really. It depends what other people think, really. Um, I guess most people are interested in what's the fastest time overall, but I think John has a you know a very good claim for he's got the fastest going that way, um, which is fine. Um, yeah, it's an interesting debate. I mean, basically, with these things, normally I'll look at you know who set the record, what did they do, and Mike went that way. So, so I phoned him up and asked him asked him why. Um, and he said it was two reasons really one was simply to be running home so there's that emotional emotional advantage and also he the cheviots um which is a, a section of mountains or very big hills right near the end you can't get any support up there and it could be anywhere from sort of five to seven hours um and so it's a big thing to do at the end of, of, of the whole run as people who do the spine race find it's, it's really challenging and he felt he wanted to do that early um, made more sense to him, both in sense of terrain, and, and you don't need so much help early in the early in the run. Whereas right up to the end, you might need more road support, um, and that made more sense. That made sense to me to, to do the same. But also for me, because I've gone north three times, I just didn't want to get too bored of the Penn Am Way. I wanted to do it a little bit fresh, so it was fun to do it the other way. Um, is there an advantage? Well, if you look at both mine, John Strava, our overall ascent is very, very similar. It's about 37, 38,000 foot. Um, I, d I don't know. If I, did, if I was doing it again, I probably would go south again because I think you just get a lot of the, big, the, the bigger lumps out of the way early. Um, it makes more sense to me. But, um, yeah, people can debate, which is easier, I suppose. And, and if John does return and... and try again and goes that way I guess we'll see what happens then yeah I think that would be really interesting maybe I should get him on the show and, and encourage him to run it the other way around and see what happens yes <laughs> that would be really interesting um cool okay so um lots of people have some questions about your training um which so it's good that you just took a glass of wine just there because uh, <laughs> that <laughs> nice and relaxed approach there. Um, so Lucy O'Dell says, um, it's a, quite a general question, what does his training plan consist of? <laughs> um, and then there's some more individual questions about different aspects of it later. Okay. Um, well, yeah, I didn't train very differently for this, um, very differently to how I normally would. Uh, I guess this year I am doing less less volume than I have in the past um, and I'm feeling a bit better for it um, but I do put it all on Strava I guess an average week could be anywhere between kind of 65 to 75 miles um, I'm trying to do kind of more quality and work on my running economy um, and, and hopefully hopefully that's paying off so I've been doing you know during lockdowns being great training uh, for me personally um, even though I couldn't get to some of the bigger hills till, till near the end um, but then when I get into a sort of race specific block that's when you get you know that's when you get the bigger back-to-back -back run back-to-back -back long runs and, and more mileage um, and the long runs become the key run in the week and sometimes they'll have a tempo section in them and ideally you do them on the terrain or very similar terrain um, so hopefully that yeah hopefully that roughly 
roughly answers the question. Yeah, um, that's a good yeah. summary. I'm just wondering where you do that training because you're are you based in Bath still? Yeah, I'm just outside Bath, so I'm kind of in the Wilt the Wiltshire Cotswolds, so the Wiltshire Mountains. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I don't have big hills here, but uh, I mean, one trick is you know, a study showed that that runners with better running economy were better at going uphill sort of regardless of how much hill training they've done so it's not necessarily going up and down hills in fact that might may slow you down after a while if you're just going up and down hills all the time so i would suggest people try and get get some leg speed first um and then when it comes to a hill often that's just going to help you go up the hill a bit more easily so um yeah we can get a bit obsessed with getting invert and stuff and really i only think about that in the sort of specific phase just before the challenge because you're a coach uh, yourself, um, and I'll put your uh, website address, I'll try and find it whilst you talk about the next thing. Um, I just yeah. wondered, do you have a coach personally as well to help you? I do at the moment, yeah. I, I work with David Roach, um, the American, and actually John Kelly has the same the same coach. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so he probably had good, good insight into who, who he thought might, might you know, do better. But um, um uh, yeah, I, I was self-coached for two years, and what, that first year was was my best ever year. And then the second year was a bit a bit more mixed, um, but there could be several reasons for that. Maybe I picked the wrong races, and I still, you know, I kind of still set a record on the um, Paddy Buckley round, so it wasn't wasn't terrible or anything. Um, but I just thought it was time to get a little bit of external input, a little bit of someone to swap some ideas with, and he's kind of a mentor to me, to be honest. Um, so he can help help also with my own coaching with my own clients if I'm unsure about something I can check with him so yeah we've got a wonderful relationship and he fills me full of um yeah he just fills you full of belief that that's the nicest thing actually that he tells you you're great all the time and um uh, you know it's really it's it's yeah it's lovely he's he's a really great guy actually I'd really recommend his book to people happy runner Oh, yeah, I've um, listened to a podcast of his on the Ginger Runner, and he just exudes kind of joy, and he loves training people. And 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 he, they were talking about the fact that middle in the middle of races, if anybody that he's coaching is in that race, or if he's racing and he sees anyone that he's coaching, he just stops and gives them this massive hug, and it, he just seems like a really like a lovely fellow. <laughs> yes, he really is. But it's not, you know. But then when you when you press him about the science about something he does know it too like he's not he's not just sort of bluffing so that yeah. that's reassuring um, yeah. yeah he's great he's a really great guy yeah yeah he's really awesome um uh john gardner actually has a comment here he says david Ro uh, roach is highly regarded by ultra runners of all skill levels from elites to back of the pack yeah that's really cool um so uh yeah but if you would like damien to be your coach someone close at home who knows the uk environment i've just put his website up here it's www.damienhall.info slash coaching so give that a look if you have reached a bit of a plateau in life and you need a bit of a kick start um, <laughs> so so um, we've got a more specific question from John Moisey here um, about uh, you did mention this just briefly um, in your training nutshell but he says is Damien one for the shorter long run or is he more old school on the whole long run ethos with bigger efforts um, than many of the pro runners seem to adopt these days so, yeah, what is your Ooh, thinking behind one, how one. long should a long run be? <laughs> well, what I've been doing this year is often often for a lot of the year, a long run was, was actually only like sort of 16 miles, uh, 16, 18 miles. And that the idea there is that hopefully you're still fresh the rest of the week to, to put in the quality, you know, the quality interval session. And when we do a lot of strides, 
and hopefully they're going to be quality. But when when you reach that specific block for, for the Penang Way training, I was doing, you know, I did do a 30-mile run, lots of 25-mile runs, often followed by 20 miles the next day or 16 or, or at least a big one, sometimes kind of three testing runs in a row. So I think the trick is not to do big, long runs all year because ultimately that's just, after a while, it's just going to tire you out and, and most of your running will be unproductive. So it's to think think more strategically or, or more structured uh, a more structured approach to, to when to do the really long ones um, because, yeah, I think a lot of us can fall into the trap of just thinking that being tired is is sort of good productive training and, and often that isn't really. You're just making yourself tired. Um, so I think it's, yeah, trying to be trying to be clever with being tired yeah oh i think i need you as my coach damien yeah. <laughs> um fantastic and we've we've got a couple more about individual bits of training here so vic knight who is actually watching right now um says did damien train um to prepare for the sleep deprivation um i didn't um so far studies show that you can't you can't you can't really train for it um however what you rely on there I suppose is your experience um, and obviously the more times you've kind of gone through the night the, the less of a surprise it is both to your body and you know just your sort of memory bank um, so yeah having done the spine a couple of times and, and quite a few hundred milers now it's fairly common for me to run all the way through the night so it, it, one night is, is should, isn't usually a problem at all um, the problem is the second night um, so I always anticipated that being probably the toughest the toughest spell on the Penn way and, and it probably was actually um in that yeah I was just I was very sleepy and um didn't want to carry on I wanted to lie down um actually had Nikki Nikki Spinks with me and she she wasn't keen on me lying down so, um and I, yeah at one point she fed she tricked me I don't like coffee she tricked me by giving me a coffee bean saying oh it doesn't really taste like coffee and I was very I was very tired, so I was like, oh, right, and I crunched into it. I was like, oh, my God, that's disgusting, so I was spitting it out everywhere, but it did sort of seem to wake me up, so thanks, Nikki. <laughs> okay, well, she's probably watching, um, so, so yeah, uh, she won't be doing that again. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, and how much sleep did you actually get then? Um, so did you presumably run through that first night and then get an average of, I don't know, like two hours a night? Or did you sleep in half an hour pockets or have a big long sleep in the middle? Um, how did it pan out? So I, I I didn't plot any sort of time for sleeping. My plan was to always just build a buffer, gradually, safely, slowly build a buffer so that I had some time in the bank. And, and I expected to need some sleep, but you don't always know exactly when. So in the end I did have three power naps uh, I had one on the morning of the second day I lay down I lay down for 15 minutes and, and probably got 10 um, that afternoon I lay down for 15 minutes again but I didn't get any I didn't actually sleep and then in that evening um, I tried one more time and I lay down for 45 minutes and and I'm pretty sure I did get at least half an hour there so I think I slept for probably 40 minutes um, overall um, over the wow. whole thing so 40 minutes in like two and a half days basically that's that's mad isn't it but it kind of doable then did you have a really long sleep when you got back oh uh, well when i'd finished yeah. yes yeah i was very uh, yeah i was very i was very um 
I was very tired, yes. Um, yeah, I slept well that night until about four, half four in the morning when I woke up wide awake. But luckily, there was a cold pizza next to me, so I wolfed that down, which was, which was good. Uh, and uh, half a cheesecake. <laughs> yes, yes. I've been eating, eating and sleeping ever since. <laughs> um, well, Hannah Baisley says only half a cheesecake. <laughs> so she thinks she should have eaten the whole thing. I'll um, do that after the show. Yeah, <laughs> right in the face. Okay. Um, and John Watts wants to know um, if you can train mentally. Um, like, what mental preparation do you do in the lead up to a run of that magnitude? He says. Yeah, I, I did a lot of mental training actually. Um, for the first time, I worked with a sports psychologist. Um, I was just, I just thought I've never really properly looked into this side of things. Um, you know what tactics what training can I do and it, uh, it was really fascinating so I worked with Dr. Josie Perry uh, she's got a really good book I'm pretty sure it's called performance in mind pretty sure I'm just seeing if I can see it now I can't um, uh, or if she has a website that has some um, if yeah maybe her website is performance in mind but if you google Dr. Josie Perry you would you would you would find her website and there are some worksheets on there as well so it's really useful um, so we worked on a few things. Uh, goal setting is really important. Having having different types of goals. Um, we looked at yeah, well, what's going to be my why? What will my, you know? How will I stay motivated? And then having sort of visual visual motivators to remind me why I'm why I'm doing it, which really worked. Um, also, clever things like you you do a what if sheet. So. Uh, you think about what are you most frightened of happening of going wrong and you you write it down and then you say first of all how will you what will you do to prevent that happening in the first place but then what if, what if it does happen how will you react um, and you might do you might do five of them you might do more if you want um, and it studies have shown that genuinely sort of almost tricks the mind into thinking you've already been in that scenario before if it happens so what you don't want is is I don't know to yeah be in a fresh scenario a fresh sort of negative scenario during the challenge and you have no idea sort of what to do and I suppose panicking um, and, and stressing and, and wasting time and energy on it when that might not be needed so and it just makes you feel calmer about the whole thing anyway so we did a yeah we did a few other things it was really um, yeah really really helpful really really helpful mm, brilliant well I've just got her book a screen grab of her book up on the screen there and um, it's called performing under pressure psychological strategies for sporting success um, by Josephine Perry so if anybody wants to buy it um, I'll put a link in the show notes and the video description um, in the podcast and also in the video um, so yeah thanks for that uh, recommendation um, Damien sounds really good yeah it's good and the book is full of really sort of practical yeah practical things you can do it's great fab um, and so we've got a question about your gear now because um, obviously you're supported by Innovate um, and I've got a lovely picture of you with the shoes um, somewhere here that yeah. I'll put up whilst you're answering the question so um, Guy Greatorex in particular is um, he's a big Innovate fan um, he um, wants to know what you think of the shoes and you were wearing the Terra Ultra G270 and the G is the graphene thing so yeah what what did you think of those shoes oh they're rubbish don't, don't buy them <laughs> rubbish terrible Sorry. shoes yeah couldn't run more than 268 miles in them um yeah I, I mean of course a sponsored athlete is gonna is gonna say the shoes are brilliant um but you know the, the I guess with these the proof is in the pudding um the 
so they are designed more actually for for hard trails for kind of utmb type stuff but i'd take them on training runs um in the pennines and even in the lakes and the brecon beacons um and actually honestly they're they're fantastic so they're they are an up they are sort of a new version of the other terra ultra which was two 260 um but a that they even though the number's higher they feel lighter the foam is different so they're actually i'm not a big fan of cushioning but for something like this you need some but you really feel the cushioning this time you really feel like a sort of um and you can see it in videos when it lands on a rock it does you know it really cushions and it give you do feel like you're getting energy from it and then the grip you know the rubber's already fantastic we know that but the grip is slightly more aggressive this time around so you know the Pennine way actually it was it was pretty boggy uh pretty you know pretty muddy and um i didn't slip over once i mean i i did i did trip once when i kicked uh, i think i kicked kicked a flagstone uh, but that's just kind of tiredness that wasn't the shoe's fault um i'd blame yeah, the shoes if i was you <laughs> <laughs> um and, and yeah on, on wet rock and, and so on it was gripping it was gripping everywhere um plus yeah the comfort number one thing for ultras really the you know grip and stuff isn't as important as simply a comfortable shoe because you don't want foot issues so um yeah i had no no real problems um i did i did change shoes halfway about halfway but that was simply because i just had wet feet for 24 hours and i thought to have dry feet if i just change my socks they'll just get wet again straight away so i just changed into the same pair uh, another version of the same pair and and dry shoes so that i sorry dry shoes dry socks so i had wet <laughs> so i had dry dry feet for a little while uh, um but how I think many I would, times did you do that so just how, once just, just once oh so, so you've got two pairs of that same shoe yeah 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 and i only swapped once so i i would have i would have happily carried on the same pair if they'd been relatively dry but um yeah they're re they're really fantastic and and they're they're they do work on a lot of different terrain as well so yeah i'm a bit i'm a genuine fan fab oh, well philip Haddock's watching and he said he's just got some and they're really good so good. that's at least two people that recommend them so um and so was everything that you wore innovate like every single thing well yeah pretty much i mean if you're giving giving me an opportunity to, to yeah take us through your watch. kit <laughs> my watch was a was a sunto um you know head torch uh petzl i've used them for many years actually that's what's great when you're um yeah, when you, I am sort of sponsored by Petzl, but I use Petzl anyway. They were my favourite torch, so it's nice when, when you know, you're not being encouraged to use a brand that, that um, you know you haven't really used, you're not sure about. So I've yeah, I've always used Petzl head torches; they've been excellent. Um, what else was I using? I don't know. I had loads of. I had a, a, a van kindly lent to me by VW, so thank you to them. And, oh, cool! And it is important when you do something like this. Um, you know, having the van space meant enough space rather than say a car. Yeah. enough space for me to lie down for example but also just enough space for my crew to sort all the different foods have the kit so they could find stuff quickly um and i think that just made us more efficient um i've got a nice picture of you sleeping in the van here um there's a lot of kit surrounding you okay i actually uh, there was a spell where my crew went and had a rest and someone else with a van a brilliant guy called jess came with a different van so it could it could be one or the other. Yeah, um, you can't really see the van. Oh. <laughs> There's just like a lot of mess, and then a human being collapsed <laughs> in it. Could be yeah. any old van, but we'll call it the VW. We'll, yes. we'll call it that van. Um, <laughs> what else did I have? Yeah, they were my main kit items. Of course, you're very lucky on something like this in that I had a brilliant team of pacers, so they were carrying um, all my spare kit and, and most of my food and drink. Um, 
so I was very 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 lucky there and I yeah I, I would publicly like to thank all of them and my road crew because I yeah we wouldn't have I wouldn't have broken the record without them by any means they were they're absolutely amazing um and at the end towards the end actually they were popping up and surprising me with extra aid stations which is um Aww. really gives you a boost even if you didn't really need another cup of tea um it really just put you know puts puts a smile on your face and puts extra extra length in your stride because you think oh the guys are still supporting me they still think i can do it and that was that was wonderful actually oh yeah i've just put a few photos up just to kind of give people a picture of, of you passing through villages being supported by locals and battling wild weather and then there's a lovely one of you in like really snuggled in a in a yellow innovate jacket um it's just smiling your head off and it seems like you're at a checkpoint or something because mm -hmm. you're just stopped there with a load of people around you um so yeah it looks like you had a whale of a time i did i did it was a blast <laughs> um so uh uh, yeah, um, Gordon Parton has lots of questions. Um, he asked you about this, the shoes. Uh, oh, um, you talked about the shoes already, about you changed them once into the same pair, the Terra Ultra G270. Um, he wants to know if you went up a size for that next change of shoes. No, no, I didn't. But I did have one more spare pair that were that were bigger in case, in case I needed to, but I didn't, I didn't need to. Yeah. Um, and he he's wondering about the nutrition for a run. You you mentioned that people were feeding you on the way. Um, what kinds of things? And the, the coffee bean, obviously, from Nikki. Um, <laughs> what did you mainly subsist on for these this couple of days? So, in a way, I, I made things more difficult for myself by by pledging not to use any animal products, um, and that was fairly easy. But what what made what was difficult is I also pledged not to create any plastic waste. And if you think um, so much of our food comes in plastic, it's actually really difficult. So you, a bag of crisps and a chocolate bar, there's loads of plastic. Um, even even buying a punnet of grapes or something, usually that's plastic. So that actually was really difficult. It took a lot of research, a lot of emailing companies to check whether they do compostable, biodegradable wrappers, finding these great companies, often very small companies like um, Outdoor Provisions and Delicious and 33 fuel and companies that that use biodegradable um wrappers because i really want to try and support those companies that make the effort because i know it's it they've explained to me a lot of them how difficult that is for them but some of them are willing to be brave and sort of do that and, and they know they're doing the right thing by the environment even if it probably means less profit um for now so um those were three of the companies i will do a post on instagram i think um oh oh my god it's vegan was one i bought a, a kilo, kilogram of sweets from them um um and there, there were there were two or three more as well i it was a lot of research but um it was worth it in the end but but i suppose i ended up with um i started out with peanut um nut butter and banana sandwiches were my kind of go-to food at the beginning but of course after a while you don't really want the the nut butter's a bit unpleasant for your mouth when your mouth's a bit dry so in the middle of the night uh jason millward um he gave me his um, hummus and avocado sandwich, and that just flew yeah. down. And then the next time I saw my crew, I was like, I need, I need some of them. And they were like, oh, we don't have any avocados. And so they had to go off, they have to go off shopping. Um, but they, you know, they did. And then, and then from the next day, or at least in my memory, all I ate was hummus and avocado sandwiches. And it's just nice. It's about texture as much as flavor, because after a while you don't want, you don't really want say crisps, or you don't really want sort of sharp or things you have to chew. Um, and also, I checked with Rini McGregor, the sports uh, dietitian. 
you know, on something like this, you're better off having white bread rather than brown. Normally at home, I'd eat brown bread. But in this white bread, there's less fiber. It goes down more quickly. gets used. The energy gets used more quickly. Um, so it's white bread, those sandwiches. And yeah, they just flew down. That was delicious. Um, and lots of tea. Yes. Yeah, we've seen your battles with John Kelly about tea and the correct creation and drinking of tea. <laughs> so, so yeah, if you're, if you're not following Damien on um, Instagram yet, and John Kelly, obviously, um, do give them both a follow because they're both they're both fairly um, fairly amusing characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so lots of people on the live chat are interested in um, in whether you'll do the Barkley Marathons, but I don't want to talk about it just yet. I want to talk about it because Sally Gilson has asked you the question about that later. So I want to get to that at the end, um, uh, but. Gordon Parton has um, another question, um, which kind of ties in really nicely with the nutrition, actually, because um, I find that really impressive that you did all that research to cut down on your plastic. I just think it's really commendable, and I really like that. I'm really inspired by it, and that's a, that's the kind of thing I'd want to do on on oh. my next like little bimbles. Um, Thank you, Claire, and yes, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah, I really really appreciate that you did that, and like that kind of it it adds an extra dimension to your run um and so gordon wants to know how much rubbish did you collect at the end because you and your team collected any rubbish that you found on the way as well as doing a record i just think that's really really commendable yes and that and that, that was kind of the third part of my kind of i don't know environmental angle and that was that was a, that was the easiest part really well i say that but if i'm honest my pacers collected 95% of the rubbish um, I never, I never asked them to, but often I would sort of bend down to pick one up and then say, carry on, carry on and, and, and pick it up themselves, which was, you know, incredible of them really. Um, so how much it looked like at the end, it looked like we had maybe about eight sort of medium sized bin bags, biodegradable bin bags. Um, so not, not like a huge black bin liner size, but like the next one down, we had about eight of those. Um, I wish I'd kind of weighed them or kept them to, you know, to, to give people a nice round figure, whether it was five kilograms or something. Um, but yeah, I thought that was. There's a photo here that I've just put up, and there's yes. kind of seven or eight kind of carrier bags, you know, like uh, well, biodegradable carrier bags, like the like the kind that you'd get in Tesco, like the small kind of carrier bag ones. They and they look rammed full of litter. Um, yeah. So, and yeah. actually, it was actually up on the hill. It was quite rare, rare to find rubbish. It, it was you know nearer the little towns and the villages which i guess you'd expect um but yeah we we did our best and um i guess that was fairly easy i mean there was a su suspicion maybe that that um john kelly was you know chucking litter behind him as he went to try and slow me down but i'm sure that i'm sure i'm sure that's not the case <laughs> yeah yeah i hadn't thought of that it was <laughs> Um, I'll have to interview him and ask and put that tricky question to him. Um, well, well, Gordon said uh, he wants to say massive congratulations to Damien and um, your crew as well, especially on collecting the rubbish en route. Um, and he has another question as well is, um, looking back, would you prefer to go the other way around? I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, but would, would you ever go and try and do the record the other way? Or are you kind of, is this the Penang oh. Bay kind of done for you? Yeah, not really. I, I'm pretty happy with I'm pretty happy with that run, and it was just it was nice to see it the other way. Um, and yeah, I don't want to go off the Pennine Way really. Like I, I don't want to be fed up of it. So that was nice to see it the other direction, and and I think that is the smartest direction to run it in. Really, um, yeah, getting getting all the big hills, a lot of the big hills out of the way in the first half. 
doing it that way. So yeah, no, I'm happy. I'm happy with that. I think. Yeah, um, and um, and Guy has just noticed uh, that you had FFF written on your arm, which I'll just get the, grab the picture up here. Um, he wants to know what that was and what the flag was that you held at the end. Right. Yes. Well, the the FFF was. Um, I, it was fun. It was fun, actually. I, I didn't tell anyone around me what it what it stood for and let them sort of guess. And, and obviously, the best guess was probably that it was, you know, three three spe- three swear words. Um, uh, and pe- yeah, people were guessing. Some were getting close, but yeah, that was part of part of the strategy I worked on with with Josie, which was to have something really visible to remind me while I was doing it. So it was simply family, um, friends, but the friends really meant um, all the people there helping me. So. Um, especially, you know, my road crew and pacers. So, so I was doing it for them. You know, people who are coming out at two or three in the morning. If they're making that effort for you, you can't be too lazy later on, or, or just quit because your feet hurt or something. You know, you, they've put in an effort for you, so you've got to repay that. Um, and then, thirdly, the the third F was for yeah for future. So, sort of yeah, the the environmental stuff. Um, and as for the flag, yeah, so the, the the main symbol on the flag is an extinction rebellion. Um, symbol, um, an organisation I'm, I'm a big fan of, um, and basically my children made me that flag uh, for my birthday presents um, last last autumn, um, and I yeah I like so to me it really combines the kind of family with the future stuff. So I had it up in the side of the van so that every time I came to the van I could see it, and that was a reminder again, a visual reminder why why am I doing it because of you know because of that. And then I just, yeah, grabbed it, grabbed it for the finish line. Um, and I told my kids at home that, that I showed everyone the flag and everyone clapped. Uh, so they're, they're, they, they, seemed, they seemed quite pleased. And then did they say, did you win, Daddy? <laughs> um, not exactly. I, I don't know if they understood, but they, yeah, <laughs> they... <laughs> They seemed happy with the flag, the flag thing. Yeah, no, that's really nice. I love the way that you've tied in everything there, like the family, the friends, and the future. And I just think it's really important that people with a platform like you, um, really just spread the whole message about the planet and the future. Um, and it's really good to see that your whole attempt was actually carbon negative. So I just want to say congratulations for that side of things as well, because I know it's really difficult to build this kind of thing into what is already a stressful occasion. Yeah, thank you. But it did help. It did help because it was, yeah, why am I doing it? And I had those reminders. So it it, it was almost a, um, yeah, I definitely care about those things, but it was definitely a helpful tactic. So um, yeah, but thank you. Yeah, and I hope, you know, like some of the major media outlets, you know, like the BBC and stuff, I hope they kind of really gave the airtime on that because I just think it's something that not all, like loads of elite athletes are doing FKTs right now, but not many of them are doing it beyond I'm doing an FKT. It's nice to have an external message as well, and I just think that makes you stand out right now um, before everyone starts copying you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Claire. That's very kind. Oh, no problems. Um, uh, John Nyston has a question. Um, he says they were in the lakes this last week and they met Nikki Spinks, who was on a photo shoot for Innovate. Um, so he would like to know how important was your support team in setting the record? So I'm guessing by that he means like the Innovate guys as well behind that, because you've talked a bit about mm. your support. Yes. Well, yeah, massive, massive. Um... So actually, uh, talking of innovate, so I had yeah, Paul Paul Tierney was helping me. Um, Nikki helped me on two legs. I had um, I think at least three staff members from Innovate. I guess staff slash friends to me, uh, but they were out out running with me, um, um, which was really nice. And 
uh, actually, yeah, Nikki was um, Nikki was amazing, as you might imagine. In fact, she was yeah twice. She played a really key role. So I, I do. I'm not as focused as, as Nikki or or as or as focused as John Kelly either. I don't think, and, and sometimes that works to my benefit in that I'm probably quite relaxed and I'm there primarily to enjoy it. Um, but sometimes I probably could be more focused. And Nikki, if Nikki's around, she's she's good at pointing that out to me. So, <laughs> um, so she first joined me for that second night, which is where I was always expecting to struggle. And yeah, I mean, she shepherded me through through that night when. Um, yeah, when I, I really, really wanted to kind of lie down and have a sleep. And maybe that would have been okay, but maybe it wouldn't have. And she, you know, kept me going, kept me going. But then I rejoined her. Sorry, she re- rejoined me for the last three hours, the last 15, 16 miles. And at that point, actually, it had all been going quite smoothly. But then that leg beforehand, it got a bit hot. I'd neglected my food a bit, um, a, a, very, a few odds and ends. But I just got a bit complacent and I'd started losing time, actually. Um, it wasn't like I was going to not get the record, but for a long time I'd had a three-hour buffer, and that had slipped to maybe about two and a half, and that was hugely frustrating because I'd sort of just thrown that time away, really. But I told that to her that there was still a chance of a three-hour, and then I very quickly regretted telling her that because <laughs> off she went, and she absolutely kicked my butt for three hours, um, and to the extent that. You know, I thought Nikki. Ha- I was thinking Nikki hates me. Why does she hate me? Um, and I did. I did twice say to Nikki, "I don't care about the three hours anymore. Like two hours fifty is just fine." Um, and people she, round she, it up she, anyway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But she, she sort of calmly said to me at one point, "Yeah, but regardless of the time, you just want to know you gave your all, right? You, you don't want to have regrets. You, you want to make sure." And you know, other people will go for this run. So, uh, you know, I want to. You know, I don't want to have that frustration of you know, maybe having a lazy few hours and then someone comes along and beats me by, you know, just a small amount and you think, damn, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I do owe her, well, I owe all the paces a um, huge amount of gratitude. Um, you know, they're all really good, really, really slick, really, really sort of professional, um, which sounds weird. Obviously, none of them were professional, but, but very, <laughs> yeah, very focused on doing a job. It wasn't just a fun run out in the hills. Um you know, they, they would do, you know, really conscientious with the navigation, um, pestering me to eat um, and so on. Um, yeah, they were, they were brilliant, really good. Fantastic. It's so important, isn't it, for everyone to remember that it is really a team effort. These amazing athletes, they, they do this thing, they, all the news reports, all the photos, all the being on telly, it's all them. But there's a huge crew behind the scenes. Um, so it's, that's really nice to hear about all of them. Yeah. Um, and we've got a couple more questions um, before uh, some coaching questions for you. Um, and Conrad wants to say, he's watching today in Michigan. Um, he says, first, please say thank you to Damien for his multiple appearances and always sharing with the Wild Ginger community. <laughs> so thanks. No problem. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when uh, he wants to know when you're attempting an FKT, um, how much of it is just running um, at, like what feels good at the time, and how much is dita- dictated by your watch or your crew? You've just been talking about Nikki there. So, um, and mm. he wants to know sort of how does it differ between running in an FKT and running in a race, like against others um, for a place in the race. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I think in a race, for example, you're much more likely to maybe miss. Maybe you're more likely to misjudge things because you're, you know, you see someone shoot off ahead and you try and catch them up. 
when really that pace wasn't smart maybe um but then you know that adds a lot of excitement especially towards the end of a race where you, you maybe you can catch some people up and that that adds yeah adds a whole element there um as opposed to yeah running on a schedule i'm not a big sort of spreadsheet runner i'm not big on running to splits really so although i had a schedule really the primary purpose of that schedule is to tell people roughly where i'll be so they can join me um so that was more important than than this than the sort of split times i was suggesting uh so my aim was always to kind of run on run on feel um if you feel good kind of go with it without being reckless and then if you when you feel bad it's kind of just just kind of hanging in there and and not 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 getting stressed about it not panicking not not working too hard um just letting it you know letting it pass because they it, it does always pass um so i didn't get too obsessed with the schedule um like after a while i knew i was about an hour up and i was like wow that's you know that's great and then not long and then suddenly i was sort of two hours up um at the same time like i i felt good and it was comfortable and it was like well i'm not going to just back off just for the you know just for the sake of it because things were going quite well um so but at the same time also over a run that long you're not going to get it right all the time so i didn't didn't beat myself up too much when when you suffer for a bit and lose a bit of time um but yeah that side of things just is just adds another fun element it's it's um you know knowing how to judge it um my advice would be actually if anyone's preparing a schedule for something like that is i guess think about your own personality and what suits you so john for example had a much more i'm not saying john's aggressive but but he had a much more aggressive a much more ambitious schedule and that suited his mindset and i had a a lot more relaxed schedule i just hoped to sort of gradually do better than that and that just suited my that suited my mindset a lot more mm. yeah yeah that's really interesting it is really um subjective isn't it uh, depending on how so. you are as an athlete um mm. and and it's interesting that you mentioned john there because um uh, another john john Earp says um did you see john kelly as competition like either before the attempt or after his achievement did it influence you in any way on on how you went about your attempt um yes and no so it didn't Obviously, I was totally aware he was going the week before me, and I, I was actually very tempted to go and um, help him. It was more about the COVID situation, actually, that I, I didn't want to, you know, possibly pick up something there that I might bring back, partly to my family, but also onto my attempt. So if there wasn't the COVID situation, I would have gone to help him. Um, yeah, the way he did things, it didn't didn't change my tactics at all. Um, I was very happy with what my approach, but but it it did it. it it helped me mentally because he beat the record that stood for 31 years. So he showed me it was possible. Mm. And that was actually really helpful. If he had put in some incredible run mm. and still not got close to the record or still not beat it, it would have, it would have been more demoralizing. It would have been like, ah, you know, is, is it possible? Um, but because he beat it despite struggling a lot, um, that was actually really helpful. Um, yeah. So he sort of Roger Bannister it for you with the four minute mile. <laughs> yes, in a way. Yeah. And, and Conrad, by the way, from the previous question, he's watching live and he says, thank you very much for the answer, Damien. Um, and he says it makes him feel better about not using his watch very much. Oh yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry too much about your watches. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and I just wondered, um, were you in a lot of pain for any time during the race? Did you have highs and lows? How did you get through those things? Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't 
say I was in pain at all. Um, um, pain, I mean, I try not to even use that word because I, I, I've tried to use, you know, discomfort. Uh, but really, you know, I think we've got to see pain as, as information. Um, if you, it's easy to think, oh, I'm in pain and, and you know, get a bit self-pitying. Um, now, of course, my legs, you know, hurt a bit and were, were, were a bit grumpy. And yeah, my big toe, because I kicked a rock once or twice, um, my big toe got a bit hurty towards the end, but I didn't have blisters or anything. I didn't have anything significant. Um, tiny bit of tendonitis, I suppose, but all those things are quite familiar to me and not, yeah, I didn't really have, yeah, I definitely didn't have pain. Of course it was getting uncomfortable. Um, more so it's just this huge amount of tiredness you build up and, and you just really want to sit down for a long time or, or lie down um, and you don't really want to carry on running, I suppose. That's the thing you have to fight mm. and that gets harder and harder. How did I deal with it? I suppose, A, you know, partly the, the motiv motivational stuff where you just remind yourself why you're doing it. Partly you got your paces running well around you and, and they're dragging you along in a way. Um, the other trick is, yeah, yeah, low mood, eat food. Uh, sometimes it's just, you know, you, you haven't put enough calories in. So that's actually the first thing I always do if I feel negative and in any way, just eat, eat something. That can sometimes that changes everything. Um, so I guess those three, those three things really, um, yeah, that's what would would pull me through. And did you have any hallucinations as part of that sleep deprivation? No, sorry. I know. I know. It always makes a better story if, if there's some wild hallucinations, but um, you can just make some up for us. <laughs> there were pixies and unicorns everywhere. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I rode on. A, I rode on a unicorn all the way. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but Chloe wants to know. Um, well, she says congrats, and she also wants to know. Um, what your recovery is because she says after an ultra she's always really eager to get back out running um so she's not really sure what's best so she wants to copy what you do <laughs> well yeah i won't i won't try to run for for you know for a week um i like i like ideally to wait till i get that message from my body that it wants to go running um and and it does it does come you do suddenly feel sort of fresh and, and a bit impatient and um ideally ideally you wait for that to happen which hopefully is about a week after something this big um the number one thing there's a brilliant book called um i think it's called good to go have you read that one um by an american a female american journalist um and she goes through all um all the sort of different recovery options you know ice baths protein shakes compression wear uh all those sorts of options um and pretty much kind of rubbishes all of them um except for sleep um and it, and it sounds obvious i suppose but probably yeah the number one thing you can do is is sleep um i mean obviously yeah some extra protein intake is is smart um and if you have got some inflammation it could be worth could be worth dealing with although i'm never totally sure on that um but yeah i would just sleep, relax Eat, eat and and drink really um and don't don't try and push it um just just relax because um almost the worst thing you can do is get out the door too soon again and start start running when you you know your body's not ready um so yeah sleep sleep and eat 
sleep and eat yeah i've just found that book as well good to go how to eat sleep and rest like a champion by christy ashwanden um That's so yeah i'll put the um details of that in the thing below on the podcast or on the uh, youtube yeah. yeah that looks good um yeah really good i like that i like sleeping i like eating sounds perfect <laughs> to me <laughs> just need to do some running first <laughs> um cool so uh we've got a couple of um questions just about coaching type things um because you are a coach um uh, look Damien up online if you fancy getting a coach to um, get you out of a plateau but Paul just wants a sneak preview of the advice from you Damien he says what's the one bit of advice you would give to a marathon runner who wants to convert to ultra running yeah pretty pretty much kind of di ditch the watch would be my advice I don't mean that literally but I mean it in terms of so often um, yeah roadrunners who come to trail running um they want to know what's a good pace for a, for a, an ultra marathon and really it's kind of irrelevant because usually there's yeah there are hills involved um for example uh, and there might be loads of hills in one bit of the course and not the rest of the course or um and then you've got the weather and and, and those hills might be muddy one week and not muddy the next week um so you've got a lot of variables and then you've got your your eating as well your fueling which is going to affect your your energy um and you're gonna you're likely to be out there when it comes to race day you know instead of kind of you know three or four hours in the marathon it, it, you know it could be eight to 12 to 20 hours so you know your your fueling is going to be really important but it will be it will be like that and your energy will go like that and your emotions will go like that as well so i my number one thing would be yeah stop worrying about split times or paces um and just yeah just think more about simply enjoying it and or moving up a hill well you know and don't be afraid to power hike up that hill it's a good long-term tactic um but above all um yeah it's it's to me it's much more enjoyable um than than running on roads and it can actually be less less painful on the body actually depending on the distance but of course 100 miles is going to bash you up a bit but something like 30 miles on the trails you, your body's actually moving a lot differently to it. when it's on the road it's the same impact every single time the ankles ankles knees and and hips repetitive impact exactly the same way time and time again whereas on the trails it's it's going to be different each time different different level of terrain and um different different footfall and stuff and, and that's actually um kind of less painful overall even if you're out for more hours so um that's another thing to, to think about and, and sort of enjoy. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and Paul is actually watching live and he says, um, I've learned so much already from this live chat. Thank you. Um, and he does, uh, you were talking about hills just there as well. He just, he also wanted to know um, something about hills. He wants to know, um, uh, he's training for a 50K ultra. Um, he wants to know how much hill, hill work should he put in his training program? Well, I would even if you're training for a flat race, I'd still put some hill work in because it, you know, it, it's uh, it can help with with strength and with speed. So, but one of my something I do a lot is um, hill strides. So it's just 30 seconds, um, and you might do maybe four four times 30 seconds, and in the second half of, of a, maybe a fairly easy run. Um, and you're not looking for a hill kind of like that or anything but but a very runnable hill you know something fairly i think i think the optimum is actually like four to six percent gradient so there's not much should be pretty runnable 
and just get in the habit of doing 30 second 30 second strides so so sprints but not not absolutely you know eyeballs out um and that should over time improve your strength and your running economy uh and your speed so i would do i would do a bunch of them you know regularly like once a week um it shouldn't be too exhausting either um but then as you get closer to race day an absolute killer killer session is five times three minute hills um uh now three minutes is kind of a magic number because if you work really hard for three minutes that really gets right sort of right into you basically um i i, w- I won't try and describe the the science exactly but yeah three minutes is a is is the time um so yeah work really hard for three minutes up a hill and again not not like that you know sort of a runnable hill um recover properly um and go again but also if 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 all's well do that and then do give yourself a little bit of recovery and then do a sort of 10 or 15 minute kind of tempo run afterwards and that you know that's that'll get you ready for race day save that for maybe the week before um that's a yeah that's a killer a killer session that one Mm, sounds good well there you go paul a sneak preview of coaching by mr damien hall here um so yeah i think you'll have at least uh how many people are watching 76 people are watching live so well, i'm expecting 76 signups for your coaching so uh <laughs> better get busy <laughs> um so uh um, oh, right. Yes, Chloe, um, who is also watching right now, who's, she says, thank you for the book tip. That's great. Um, she says, congratulations, Damien. What an inspiration you are to others. Um, especially, I would say, my son has been dot watching avidly and he wants to know how young is too young to start ultra running. He is 18, chomping on the bit. I have told him it will slow his pace down, uh, but not it has not put him off. <laughs> Oh gosh! Well, thank you very much, Chloe. Um, that's very kind. Uh, that is a tough question. I I must admit, I'm not. I don't feel qualified, if I'm honest, to give advice. To I, I know 18 is 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 not a child. That's an adult. But um, I must admit, I'd rather give no advice than than bad advice. There. Um, if she drops me a line, um, sort of privately, um, which hopefully via Claire, I know someone very a lot more informed it, it, uh, someone in british athletics is a lot more informed on kind of youth youth development or teenage development who i can ask who i can ask um for chloe oh that's really kind of you um i always thought like just like if you're younger then just don't push it too far too soon like as a general rule of thumb like but it, yeah it must be so hard yes. for for all these youngsters watching what all the older people are doing and going oh i can't i do that right now but yeah um maybe just do some hill walking long long distance hill walking like when i was 12 i did a like a 50 mile walk um and wow. I'm, I'm not dead so yeah that's uh, amazing yeah yeah in my teens i was doing like 50 mile walks and that's um yeah i suppose that gives you a good basis for ultra running so he could start with the walking like that it was called the the tour de triggs the 50 mile walk yes. that we did oh wow yeah it's amazing it's like a scouting thing so maybe he could start um, with stuff like that yes yes i just don't want to um yeah it, 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 it might it, it kind of might be fine i just would hate to um yeah give the wrong advice there and it, it is it is tricky and but you've got he's got loads of time because i didn't discover this sport till my mid-30s um you've got lots and lots of time to do all sorts of running so there's kind of in a way no rush to go into the the longer stuff which you know can be a bit more a bit more tough on the body um but yeah if she drops me a line i can i can get a better answer for her awesome 
thank you um okay brilliant i'll be in touch chloe um we've just got two more questions um so uh, and the last question is going to be the barclay marathons question um for everybody who's watching um and i i just want to say the people who have been sending in these questions are my patrons it's um www.patreon.com wildgingerrunning um so these are the guys who are loyal and support me every month um on the wild ginger running youtube channel which is also a podcast um on all usual podcasts providers so if you do want your question to be definitely definitely answered by our wonderful experts such as Damien um, then uh, you have to support me on Patreon that's the catch so uh, so without further ado the last two patron questions one is Nick Suville he says um, uh, is Damien um, considering on taking on another FKT in the future so fresh from this one what's next <laughs> yeah I, I'm being asked this a bit already and I honestly don't don't have anything quite in my sort of immediate uh, sights. Uh, I just wanted to recover <laughs> from this. Um, and also it's confusing really whether there'll be any races on this autumn. Um, I do have a place at the Ultra Trail Snowdonia. Um, but again, that seems a little up in the air whether that's going to happen. Um, so I guess I'm just waiting to see. But with these things, yeah, you do have to wait till well, not wait, but you you do have to really care about about it. There's no point in just sort of picking something random. If you're going to sort of suffer for a day or so, it's got to be something quite quite personal to you, um, I think. So such as the Pennine Way was the classic case. You know, I had that long history with it. Um, so I guess I'm just, yeah, I'm just waiting. I'll, I'll maybe start maybe doing a bit more internet digging around, but um, we'll see what friends suggest. But, yeah, nothing... Nothing in the pipeline, but but there'll definitely be more of that sort of thing for sure. Yeah, it sounds like it's right up your street, and I, I can't wait to see what you do next. I'm, I really encourage everyone if you don't already follow Damien on Instagram. He, um, he his posts are really uh, really funny to read as well. Oh, thank you. Um, and then we've just got time for one final question, um, which is Sally Gilson. Um, she says, I highly recommend Damien to everyone if they're wanting help putting a training plan together. Definitely worth the money. So there you go. Oh, thank you, Sally. I think I need to uh, email Sally back. Actually, I think I've got an email from her from this week that I haven't got back to yet. Sorry, Sally. I will get back to you very soon. Brilliant. There you, there you go. Um, and <laughs> she says, um, I see on Instagram that John Kelly has thrown down the gauntlet and challenged him to a duel on his own territory. Will he follow in Nikki Spink's footsteps and take on the Barkley Marathons? This is the million dollar <laughs> question, Damien. Do you fancy it? <laughs> you know what? John has sent me a message today, actually, a private message saying, oh, I didn't mean that to be a, a gauntlet thing. Um, uh, <laughs> I the yeah the Barclay has has uh, intrigued me for a long time as as it has a lot of runners um, so it's it's definitely something I'm interested in I a bit like I guess the Pennine Way I keep putting it off because it intimidates me but I guess with the Pennine Way out of the way I suppose it's more it's becoming it's getting closer um, <laughs> of course you've got to you know getting in is is part of the challenge and it's getting so popular so it may be that I would love to do it and and um, I can't get in who knows. Um, but yeah, I think I'm close. I'm close to applying, whether it's next year or the year after. Um, I think it's it's getting time, isn't it? My navigation isn't brilliant, but um, hopefully John, John, and or Nikki would would help me uh, brief me well there if they're allowed to. I'm not sure exactly of the rules. They might not be allowed to, but um, yeah, I think in the next two years I will apply. 
Yeah, wow. Okay, so you heard it here first. <laughs> Damien's going to try to apply for the Barclay in two years, or maybe even this year. Wow, um, that's really exciting. I think it's so exciting watching people do these bonkers races. <laughs> um, yeah. And Sally is watching live and she says, you have already replied to her email, so you don't need to worry about that one. <laughs> oh, good. Phew. <laughs> Thanks, Sally. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, well, I just want to say a massive thank you, Damien, for coming onto the show and giving us so much of your time to answer all those questions about the Pernine Way FPT and also some coaching questions as well. Um, and I just uh, I want to put up your um, your website again. Uh, where did it go? Oh no, I've lost it now. There's... Don't worry, people oh. people can find me easily enough. I th I think, and yeah, it's it's, it's fine. Yeah, um, yeah. Follow Damien on everything possible. He tweets, he <laughs> Instagrams. He is a proper because he is a I'm, well a journalist, so you know all the stuff. I'm pretty annoying. <laughs> um, no, it's re it's really fun watching um, watching your posts and, and what you do. Um, and I just want to read you some uh, nice things from people. Um, uh, it re Repat Digital says um, the Barclays invite only. I'm sure you have earned a look from Laz. Um, so that's positive. Um, a guy says, thank you for answering my questions. You are so inspirational and a great ambassador. All the best for your future endeavours. Well, thank you. Um, and John says, what a great chat this has been. Very interesting, informative, inspiring. Thanks. Enjoy the glass of wine. It is well deserved. Thank you. <laughs> Um, and Sally Gilson said it's so exciting about the Barclay Marathons as well. Um, Comrade says thanks for all your time and responses to the question. In, enjoy your time off the feet um, from Conrad there. So that's Thank fantastic. You. Yeah, so thanks so much, Damien. Um, is there anything else you wanted to say to everyone before we end the chat? Um no i can't i can't think of anything uh, in particular other than just thank you all for being such a lovely crowd and um i don't know people are incredibly kind to me um on on social media and and you know and at races on and and, and i haven't really mentioned that when i was doing this fkt people were turning out in the villages and the towns on the way especially towards the end um i just feel incredibly fortunate that people are so so generous and so kind um so thank you thank you everyone Fantastic. Well, it's been great to chat to you and uh, we'll look out for whatever you attempt next. Thanks. Cool. So, night everyone. Thanks for watching and I'll see you next week. Bye. Hi, it's Claire here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. These live chats take place every Wednesday evening at 6.30pm UK time on World Ginger Running YouTube channel. And the link is in the show notes. I just wanted to let you know that you can find this and loads more advice and inspiration and gear tests all about trail and ultra running on my YouTube channel, Wild Ginger Running. There are training tips, advice from elite athletes, top coaches, nutritious recipes, key exercises, injury prevention information, and tons of trail kit reviewed from running packs to poles, waterproofs to head torches, GPS watches, and shoes, 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 and did I mention shoes? I've been going for a few years now, so there's a huge archive of content to help you out with your trail and ultra running. To quickly and easily find the information you need, simply type your query into the Google search box and then write wild ginger running after it. Then Google will show you whatever blog posts or films I have on that topic. Give it a try. 
And if you appreciate listening and all the information that I share on YouTube, you're also very welcome to support me on Patreon, which gets you some additional excellent perks and the chance to win some awesome prizes. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee every month, patrons get discounts, extra films, access to the exclusive Facebook and Strava groups, the chance to ask questions to every live chat guest, plus automatic entry into my monthly competition to win £400 worth of trail and ultra running gear. There are only about 150 patrons, so the odds on a win are way better than the lottery. Interested? Find me at patreon.com slash wildgingerrunning. Thanks for listening, guys. Have fun, enjoy your run, and I'll see you on the trails.